Hey, Shawnee. <laughs> Hi. You laugh every time I say your name. Because uh, you... <laughs> there's always this... Pa- Y'all don't know this, listeners, but there's always this pause where me and Maddie, like, stare at each other. And it's like, who's gonna... It's always like, who's gonna intro first but it's always maddie so i'm just like when what are you doing over there well i'm just i'm just giving us some space giving us some time letting it make sure there's like some little space between the last thing you record and this thing welcome to qbt i'm maddie germs and i'm shawnee and we are two queer babes talking about mental health pop culture and anything else we want whatever else we want wow <laughs> it's okay um and we are joined this week by nora alwa LPC, who is going to talk to us about empowerment. It's really rad. She joined us from Denmark. I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation. And also, remember, you equals you. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Get your shit together, y'all. We don't talk about that enough. We need to talk about it more. Yeah. Let's get the show started. Trying to talk slick, all up in my ear and shit. <laughs> sup, slut. Sup. I'm sipping tea. You sipping during tea during the t- sup slut sipping yeah. tea. I'm gonna take over subs. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna take over sup slut on this. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had nails to clack on my. Glass. That'd be amazing. Next next episode. I'm glad that it's I know your the, Christmas gift now. I'm glad it's <laughs> taken to the 33rd episode to make some sort of. St- sipping tea reference like we haven't done that and i'm we, proud of us i'm proud of us too but i mean you know i mean not for all the ga- culture not all gays and queers sip tea we gossip like a bitch though. <laughs> <laughs> um okay sub slut i want to know mm-hmm. where it is the season though it okay. doesn't feel like it for me yet um what is your what are your favorite holiday movies Oh, okay. singular or plural? You, okay, you can choose. Okay, 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 okay. I Christmas is not my favorite holiday. Okay, I it does not bring me. I often avoid it mm-hmm. in terms of like hype, hype, hyper consumption of Christmas. Like, I feel like I sometimes will allow myself like the twenty fourth and twenty fifth to be like. I'm going to do this. But like mm. hearing Christmas music everywhere, it doesn't warm my heart. It's just like, I don't like it. I'm not that kind of person. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I, I will say Gremlins is one of my favorite. Gremlins is one of my favorite <laughs> Christmas movies. <laughs> yes, that's amazing. Um, Because like it's given as a gift on Christmas. He's like in the cold. Try- like oh despite God. that like I racist ass caricature. That. But no, they go to the movie theater and the toy store. Love Gremlins. Um, I probably oh and honestly if I'm gonna be honest about like who I am as a person despite how embarrassing it is like Nightmare Before Christmas is yeah, one of my favorite movies on brand yeah I, although some people would argue that Nightmare Before Christmas is a Halloween movie the best part is that it's both <laughs> it's also an Easter movie and a St Patrick's Day movie it's not don't let's not get carried away I'm just saying <laughs> it's referenced <laughs> if Die Hard is a Christmas movie so is Die Nightmare Hard Before Christmas is an Easter is movie. a Christmas movie. Um, mine are Home Alone. I watch it every year. Mm. It's just like That's classic, yeah. right? The first one, not the second one. Um, Four Christmases featuring Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon. Okay. And, um, Kristen Chenoweth. There's a lot of people in that movie. It's, it's a lot. It's John Favreau's in it. Yeah, it's a big movie, but it's, I find that movie hilarious. Like I, okay. some people don't, I think it's great. Um, I watch a Christmas story on mm-hmm. Christmas Day 
every Christmas since yeah, like, I've we grew done up that. and it was on TBS yeah, 24 I think hours. I've done that since I was like three, and I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. Yeah. Um. And happiest season. I'm joking. It's not <laughs> <laughs> the new classic. <laughs> the new classic. I really hope there's a happiest season too, though, and we get I don't. more. I I do. I do. <laughs> I want a happiest season too, and then we like. Bitch gets run over with a truck, and okay. then we have a story about Aubrey Plaza. Oh, like, <laughs> I just want to spin off of the other season that's the just about man loses Plaza. his mayoral campaign. Maybe it starts with his funeral, and then that's how oh, they kick off Christmas. God. We need to get into development now. Yeah. Um, and then last but not least, I have a lot of Christmas. I was going to say, it keeps coming. <laughs> I love them. Um, the Family Stone. Okay, sure. Yeah. That movie is, I like it. It's funny. I like it too. I will say, um, there is a movie that I thought was Family Stone and also. Four Christmases, but uh, it came out during Christmas. It's called Did You Hear About the Morgans? Oh, I have not seen that, but I've heard of that. Okay, it's not good. Um, <laughs> so but I when I was in, when I was in college, I um, it was like my first year, and I had worked at Chick Fil A for like two years, and I didn't exactly quit. I was like, I can come back on weekends, maybe, or like for Christmas break, I'll come back and work. You worked at Chick Fil A? I know, I know, it's a whole thing. Um, but I'm unpack that in a future episode. I had just sort of come out, or was coming to terms with maybe being bisexual, and um, there was this little faggot who worked at Express who came to Chick-fil-A often and one time out of nowhere slid me his number. Yes! And I was so scared about that. I shoved it in my pocket, but then I later texted him and I was like, oh my God, am I going to go on my first date? From- Use your texting. Like, you ran up the bill texting. I mean, I was in college at this point. I mean, I was like, I was 17 years old. I was like, I just turned 18. Anyway, <laughs> I went on my first date with a man to did you hear about the morgans which i was also very much a much more of a movie snob at that point and so when he was like do you want to go to the movies and we said sure and we walk up and he was like what about did you hear about the morgans and i had to be like sure (laughs) absolutely not i'm also Um, a movie snob so we did and it was us and two old women sitting in front of us but i had my first like gay kiss there the problem was not only was it a terrible movie and i was questioning his taste his taste buds smelled terrible my first gay kiss was filled with halitosis oh um and so (laughs) i then went outside and we were out by the car and like he was just like so let's do this again and that was kind of my first ghosting experience i was like i'm i know for a fact i am never talking to you ever again part of that was my own internalized homophobia and fear and all that shit but also he picked did you hear about the morgans and had terrible breath the whole time wow that's unfortunate yeah my first kiss was in a theater with a with a girl and it was Batman Batman Begins oh yeah Christopher Nolan yeah and then my first kiss with a guy was in his bedroom to watching we were watching The Bride of Chucky hot love yeah, that I've, I guess I only kiss people when I'm watching movies okay so there's a little bit about me um <laughs> <laughs> let's move into and what about it our politics pop culture whatever the hell else we want to talk about um all right, I just need to get this out of the way. So Obama had this quote this week around like talking about how defund the police is a is a snappy slogan that really takes away from all of the what what. I just really love that you said police. Police. Yeah. I, it's honestly it makes like, me really happy. <laughs> I like honestly every time I say it, I'm like, why did I just say police? But I like it's fuck just the police. Fuck I'm the like, police. all right. That's how it's read in my head. You're from North Carolina. That's true. Um. I just need to say that, like, 
Chris Hill had a really good tweet this week that was like, I'm realizing as I get older that Obama has been the same person he's always been. I am the one that's moving left. Like, which is mm. sad in some ways, mm. but Obama has especially recently decided to only voice, was relatively silent during the Trump years. Mm-hmm. Like every once in a while would be like a kind of winky, like, yeah, we know he's fucked up, but like, keep it pushing. What? Why Why are you going to go out of your way to talk about defund the police as a not helpful slogan to those that we want to get on our side? I don't want Republicans on my side. I don't want racists on my side. I don't want this constant Biden ass, we need to heal. Because over and over, Pelosi has done this too. These people in the Democratic power who are very much the Democratic Party are constantly naming that their desire to compromise is always at the expense of the most marginalized. And I don't actually feel like the, quote, snappy slogan of defund the police is something that is harmful to the movement. I think people like Obama saying that defund the police is harmful to the movement is harmful to the movement. Mm -hmm. And so I just, like... um, he also put out a book recently where, like, he was talking about, like, faking being, like, hyper leftist to, like, fuck women and stuff. Like, it's, like, his and his, like, whole desire. I don't know. Obama is just, like, um, to me is, like, a really pinnacle of, like, the kind of, like, identity politics gone wrong a little bit. It's, like, is it an amazing heartfelt did i cry am do i still feel emotional feelings towards the obama family does michelle obama's documentary we talked about this earlier yeah. episode did i weep the whole way through absolutely <laughs> and i just like it makes me sad that there's this pretense that some creating some type of slogan is going to actually get us better do you know what was also a damaging slogan and a scary slo- slogan abolish slavery that was literally a slogan pushed by slave abolitionists that was seemed radical for years and years and years. And then finally people were like, maybe we should abolish slavery. Like, yeah, defund the police is not a radical thing. In fact, defund the police is a compromise to abolish the police. Yeah. Defund the police is the compromise. Anyway. It's better than, like, kill the police. I mean, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think we are compromising we here. Are. Um, also, I mean, backwards full circle moment. But, like, let's just, I, it is disheartening and disappointing to hear that from Obama. I'm yeah. only learning that now on this podcast with you at the moment. But also, it's kind of like, yeah, okay. Like, I, know. I Obama... I've got to stop expecting better from him, which well, is Well, I've got to stop accepting. I don't expect better from anybody. Like, okay, I work. just don't, right? Like, it's... I'll say it later on in the podcast because we've already recorded it. But, like, stop putting people on pedestals, period. People yeah. are going to let you down. Like, yeah. I'm not saying... I'm sorry if that's, like, a little depressing or sad, but it's like, you can't idolize somebody because they are a human being who also is maybe working a career that requires them to, like, do something a certain way and... Yeah. They may not feel like they have the choice or power to change that. Long story short, like people are human beings. And because of that, you're going to be disappointed sometimes. So I guess for me, it's like, damn, that's fucked up Obama. But my feelings aren't hurt because I've always, I I don't know. My feelings aren't (laughs) hurt. My feelings are that I am tired of a quote like that from Obama enlightening and putting fire under these centrist Democrats that are like, see, even this one thinks that, you know, Mm. like that's, 
I don't think that Obama has set out to Uncle Tom himself. I don't think that I even would like want to like, yeah. I, I, your eyes got big and I, I meant for it to be like a, a shocking. So I, that's not what I feel about that person. Right. And I am watching as this person has retired, become best friends with Bush, become like he's become the establishment in this way that he always was. Yeah. But honestly, it's not even really specifically about Obama. It's the fact that like he's being there now is this discourse around the phrasing and the slogan of defund the police as if that is the problem. Mm. And the problem is the police. Yeah. And that <clears throat> moral of the story is the police are terrible. And yes. something's got to be done. Something has to happen. Something cool politicians did is they uh, voted to House voted to decriminalize weed. It'll get shot down in the Senate immediately. But the House in 2020, we this week voted to decriminalize weed. That's cool. Yeah. You don't think that's cool? No, I think it's super cool. I mean, it's like, you know, 27 years late, but like... Yeah, they're really late, and I'm I've, I've just I'm going to just keep living in states that have it sure. legalized already. But what but this also means is if Georgia flips, we could have decriminalized weed in 2021. Federally. Are they going to let all the people out that they arrested? Well... Um, speaking okay. of people being arrested, uh, <laughs> homophobic politician Josef Schacher, sorry, everyone, uh, of Hungary was, uh, who was like, that excellently. Um, thank you. Thank you. I mean, honestly, with this many accents on his name, he's a faggot, you know, uh, <laughs> he was caught at an orgy and arrested, uh, at a male oh, orgy. I actually did see this. Yes, story. I know. <laughs> it, it, a deeply homophobic politician. Think like, uh, Mitch McConnell or like already outed Lindsey Graham, uh, at, as a homophobic politician, but then literally like jumping out a back window after being in this like all male orgy. It is like, uh, not to say and not to feed into this thing that every deeply homophobic, especially outward homophobic person is secretly gay. But, you know, um, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't rule it out. I'd also I also just ask them to make them angry or. Sure. I mean, when there's someone who could kill you, though, maybe not. Well, like, over a video screen. Okay, sure. <laughs> we'll zoom him in, see what he thinks from prison. Yeah. Uh, all right, so this is something that's uh, wild. So, UK has the NHS uh, uh, healthcare, mm -hmm. socialized healthcare. Mm -hmm. Amazing. But Parliament right now is... Something similar to happening in the U.S. is a deeply, you know, you've heard about Brexit, you've heard about Boris Johnson, this like deeply conservative, the man with the crazy hair. You know what I'm talking about? Anyway, that parliament just ruled uh, in a, a court case that hormone blockers for folks under 16 uh, is currently illegal. We don't know if this will be overturned. We don't really know what the process is going to be from now. But essentially, this um, person came out and said that they started hormone blockers when they were, I believe they were 16, are now detransitioning and are saying that the medical folks in their life did not provide enough psychological testing or whatever to be able to consent, essentially, with their adult brain to begin transitioning and start hormone blockers, right? The problem with this is that this... People who detransition, people who move away from a trans identity are often rare and then are often lauded as 
the worst that could happen if you let kids be trans, as opposed to trans kids dying and never making it to be old enough to decide to detransition as the worst thing that could happen, right? You're allowed to get your breast augmented at 16 or 18. You don't even have to have two doctor's notes for that. You can see one person and get that done. And people often get them removed all the time. And we don't stop people from getting their breasts augmented. We don't uh, engage in all these other types of surgeries that are... We don't think about this in the abortion. People regret their abortion sometimes. That doesn't mean that people should not have the right to abortion. Because the harm that creates when you don't allow it is much, 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 much smaller Mm -hmm. than the, quote, harm created in people who... People have regrets for every decision in their life. And we shouldn't always believe that kids are going to necessarily, like, sort of, like, be trans forever. Whatever the fuck that means. What it does mean, though, is that when your child is wanting that, or when your child is needing that, or when they are entering adolescence, to say... I am going to love you and support you in whatever this is that's happening now is a much more powerful thing than denying them that. Yeah. And now because of this ruling, kids who have been on hormone blockers for several years, say they started hormone blockers when they were like 11 or 12, and now they're approaching their 16th year, are now going to be cut off from their medicine, which could potentially start them on puberty out of nowhere at age 15 when they have been working their whole life yeah to prevent that so that the dysmorphia doesn't come into play as much mm-hmm. so that the the potential later surgeries that they want to have will be a lot easier i think that this person's story of detransitioning is um potentially sad but also fine like yeah. that that can happen and whatever but like the fact that we place so much restrictions on what it means to be trans and how to be trans and how to access trans healthcare. It's oppressive. The amount of psychological testing and like multiple people who have to prove what you can do with your own goddamn body is too much. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it'd be great. It'd be great if people that actually experience the thing are the only people that are allowed to make decisions on the thing. You know, it'd be great if like <clears throat> white people didn't have to make decisions about what black people do with their lives. It'd be great if um, heterosexual people had no say in how anybody queer um, lives their life. It'd sure. be great if somebody that is um, non-transgender and has no idea, like, literally, like, that's, that is the part about politics that I find mind-boggling, yeah. is that it is like, how are you some cisgender, straight, white man or woman going to rule against some shit that you literally have never experienced in your life and have zero education on. I don't care how many books you read. I don't care how many people you talk to on this subject. You are not living that experience. So what gives you any right to tell somebody how to live their life? Well, they find the one trans person who's like, you know, actually y'all are right. Or they find a fucking Candace Owens. They find a fucking like, who's that? head of the housing department for so long bill carson yeah or ben, ben carson. carson sorry did he die yet he had covid i don't know whatever best wishes but like, <laughs> I just, i'm just saying like uh they're always gonna find someone to agree with them or someone who's had a quote negative experience with these things but like people have negative experiences about everything and we have to look at the larger picture about harm reduction versus Whatever the fuck. And I just am so... Versus the avoidance of negative experience. I know. I'm Good just like, with I'm, that. So, I'm so scared for these kiddos that like have had amazing parents and have had amazing doctors in their lives suddenly potentially have to go through this life-altering thing because the government told them they had to do that. That just like... Ugh, it breaks my heart. 
And I just, I just want to sit with that for a second. I just like, it breaks my heart. And we need to do better. We have to do better. We have to continue fighting. We have to win the Senate so that when Trump leaves, we're able to make these laws and do things better for our kids here. That being said, this has been a pretty good week for music. That was a great, that was a great transition. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck them kids. (laughs) I don't feel that way at all. Yeah. Uh, Talk to me about music. Music's been good. Um, Let's start with Rico Nasty's album, shall we? Aggro as fuck. Yo, I I think we talked about it on the podcast. I was like, I listen to Rico, but I don't feel like I seek it out sometimes because it's just like really aggressive and I have to be in a very sort of like a certain state of mind yeah. to like get through it. And I don't know. I would must have been in that state of mind this week because yeah. I was on some fuck everything shit. Yeah. And this album came out and it was on some fuck everything shit. And I said, oh, I like Rico Nasty yeah. a lot. Kiana, hi baby, retweeted something this week that said Rico Nasty makes me want to bite people. <laughs> it does. I like was in my car listening to her and somebody like cut me off and I was like, I'm driving up next to this person and yep. I'm just gonna stare at them. <laughs> yes. I mean it's very much it's the energy of like feeling immense rage, looking cute as fuck doing it. Like and then just letting it unleash. I mean, there's one song that's literally, I think it's called, like, Let It Out. Let It Out? Like, oh, I love that song. It's great. And then there's another song called Shut the Fuck Up. And it's, like, it's literally just her screaming Shut the Fuck Up over, over and over. I want to hear a mashup of Ariana Shut Up and Rico Nasty Shut the Fuck Up. That's really good. That's really brilliant, actually. <laughs> um, no, it's a great album, Nightmare Vacation. She has a song with... Oh, I'm so embarrassed. I forgot to figure out how to pronounce his name before this. Amine, Amine, the person from here. Oh, yeah, Amine. Okay, a song with him on the album that's really good. Back and forth, yeah, I like that. It's song. cute. I mean, I like. And he's. I know handsome. it's a good album. He is handsome. He is handsome. He's handsome. Um, yeah. And doing a lot of good work for Black people in Portland too. Anyway, I know that I like the album because, well, like any album, but like I, there were maybe only two songs that I skip by. Mm. The opening song "Candy" is good. I like that it's one. Cute. Um, I like the singles. The singles work well yep. on the album. Um, smack! Oh my God, Smack a Bitch is it? Like I love that yes. song. Thank and God, it, I didn't have to Smack a Bitch today. I'm like, yeah. Sometimes I do like think about it, and I'm like, oh, I didn't have to scream at anybody today. Thank yep. God. No, it's great. The Rico Nasty album is so good. I mean, iPhone is probably one of my favorite songs of the year. It's very solid. Yeah, um, yeah. and and it, within this album too, I just we've had really really great year of rap girls and i love a lot of them and i love i love rico nasty for having a distinct style Mm -hmm. and that speaks to a certain type of thing that also is respected elsewhere i just really love it um flo millie retweeted it which is how i knew it was coming out which i was like hell yes she's also on this um song i am with young baby tate who just had a new ep come out called after the rain it's cute. There's this one song that uses um, Danity Kane lyrics. It's like the Rainbow Cadillac. Yeah. Like, we in the, the car. car. We yeah, ride slow. We doing, doing things that them boys don't do. Uh-huh. Anyway. We drive back. Rainbow Cadillac. Yeah. We haven't listened to that song in a while. Honestly, put that song on if you're somebody that goes to the gym. And it, like, does it. It's, I mean... I don't really care about Danity Kane, and that song is great. Showstopper, that's the name of the song. It's great. There we go. Um, but this Young Baby Tate album is really good. That song with I Am is, or with Flo Millie is really good. Um, did you do a Spotify rap? Did you do that? Yeah. I sh- shared it with you. 
Okay, but our listeners haven't heard you talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> I was giving you a setup, girl. Oh, is that what that was? was like, like, tell me about Why are you asking me questions you already know the answer to? Stupid. Damn. <laughs> yeah, my uh, Spotify rap was n- no surprises, zero surprises. I don't, I don't think anybody should be surprised by their rap, but. Um, Megan The Stallion was num- num- number one artist of the year for me, which, hey. That's duh. great. Number two was Beyonce, which Beyonce has been on my Spotify wrapped since before Spotify wrapped was a thing. Sure. Like, she was probably on it back in 2000. Yeah. Um, and then, who was after her? Oh, Tanache made some headway in my life yeah. over the last year. I don't yeah. know what was going on with me and Tanache, but... Um, Songs for You is good. It was a good album. Yeah. Thank you. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like sometimes I'm the only person that really... Well, she's still underappreciated. I think she should have gotten a Grammy nomination for that. But for me, Songs for You is good as a thing. But the song to me that is my favorite, which is kind of a departure from the album, is that Die a Little Bit remix. Yeah, it's That thing. It's so good. If she heads in that direction on, like, the next album, I'm in. Like, I mean, I'm in, in, but, like, I'm in, in. I love that song. Anyway, she was my my number three, um, which was a bit of, that was a bit of a surprise. And then I think I rounded it out with uh, Chloe and Hallie and... Mm -hmm. Chloe and Halley wasn't mine too. It was a white woman, Lady Gaga. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. My Spotify rap called me a faggot, but uh, <laughs> I, I mean, it was fine. I think, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I'm weird about this data. I'm like, I feel like I listen to a lot of other things, but um, I, I did get told I listened to a, like a lot of new music to me this year, which was cool. I just happened to listen to Chromatica a lot, specifically yeah. Sour Candy and Rain on Me. Like, I. <laughs> Sour Candy is also, it's a minute and a half. So, like, whenever I listen to Sour Candy, listen I listen twice. Twice, two or three same, times. Same. Like I And so, it being number one is like, well, I just sort of made it one song. <laughs> Let's divide those <laughs> in two and see what happens. Um, I actually, I don't remember. Oh, Ariana Grande was in yeah, there. Yeah, Ariana was in oh, actually, most people's. Well, most of our groups. She was in my... um top songs but then it was uh charlie xcx and uh, grimes from misanthropocene that got released at the beginning of the year which was like february of this year when we were still mm, seeing people mm-hmm. which i remember now that when i was still going to school it was like my walk back and forth at 9 p.m when school was done album that's and, like, what's interesting about this rap is that i had to sit down like tanashi i had to think about it, and i was like did i listen to that much tanashi yeah. this year like in my apartment i was like yeah. oh no i think that when that album came out, it was like at the end of last year, probably when Spotify wasn't collecting data anymore. And I listened to that solidly, like yeah. through the beginning of 2020. And then we went into lockdown. And I think my complete listening habits like switched over to Megan The Stallion. Yeah. And that was, I think I listened to Megan The Stallion at least three times a day, like every yeah. day. So. I honestly, I'm more interested in like my six through 10. Yeah, I want I, like a top 10. I want to know who those folks are because I'm like, well, of course I listen to Chrom- Chromatica a lot. I've like, wanted to talk about it and also at the time I was depressed (laughs) like and and I feel like some people I saw a lot of folks like be like my Spotify rap reminded me I was mentally ill (laughs) (laughs) but I guess it's like uh some people when I don't do this but I used to when I was a teenager when I was sad or angry I would listen to sad or angry music and Mm -hmm. just like really revel in the feelings and make it like a bigger thing I don't do that anymore. I, if I'm feeling that way, I make sure to listen to something the exact opposite of what Sam. I'm feeling. So sometimes when I'm feeling really, really up, that's when I can listen to sad music because it won't like hurt me. Yeah. You know, whereas like other people love to like just really like wash it. No, you know, I don't like it either. So like I'm going li- to, I'm going to, if I'm like fucking crying, I'm going to put on Megan Thee Stallion to like be like, I just got to twerk myself. I'm, twerk myself. 
<laughs> I'm gonna swing my mullet back into a tearful work is helpful. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is like I don't know what to do with this because like I don't want to do with deal with Apple Music, but Spotify also just like got rights to Joe Rogan's podcast like as exclusive, mm. and so has like funneled money into him and like Joe Rogan is trash he's like who men listen to to think that they're balanced when really they're just like transphobic and like don't actually they're like sort of libertarian was on there last week or something if they're a man they've probably been on it you know what I mean and like I just uh it just pisses me off it makes me sad and I don't really know what to do with it uh because I like I've been a Spotify person since God, it's been years. I, I've had it ever since it was, like, in the UK, and then you had to, like, get an invite. Oh, yeah, same. Like, and it's I been mean, my favorite music platform since then. It, like, it creates playlists like nothing other. And, like, while I am a little suspicious of Spotify Raps, quote, data, like, I'm a little bit suspicious of I the mean, raw data, but... They're, they're, are, they a, are they a company? <laughs> right, exactly, 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 exactly. <laughs> You love Christmas. Talk to me about this Mariah song. Um, yeah. Okay. So speaking of Apple TV and Apple TV Plus, I subscribed to it. I don't remember when I subscribed to it. Probably when it first started, but I'm still paying for it. To see that Jennifer Aniston show? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> also, Critically acclaimed. Apple TV Plus like bought the rights to like all the Charlie Brown stuff, and they oh. were not gonna let ABC like play the Charlie Brown Christmas special as they've done every year for the last like two thousand years. And so people annoying. were like up in arms about it. And Apple is so annoying. Apple TV was like, fine, we'll let ABC play it. And it's just like, yeah, because it's a holiday classic that everybody should have like the should have access to. Gatekeeper us. Yeah, right. So anyway, but anyways, <clears throat> they also did a Mariah Carey Christmas special that I have not watched yet. Yeah. But we do know a single called Oh Santa mm-hmm. featuring none other than Mariah. Jennifer Hudson and the collaboration we thought we would never see ever yeah. in our days on this planet, Ariana Grande. Yeah. Um, and there was a nice little moment. I mean, it's cute. Like the it's video cute. is cute. It's for a second I we couldn't it's tell if they were Christmas. in the same room. It's like not even um it's not even holiday. It is Christmas. It is Christmas. <laughs> it is it's Santa this is Christmas. And elves if you have an issue with Christmas, do not leave this, leave this yeah. room. Yeah. We do not care. <laughs> um, anyways, and her outfit, Mariah's outfit is her titties are sitting nice. They are perched. Yeah, but the rest of the outfit is like Ugh. it looks like um it looks like a a Christmas tailored version of like one of those hot topic skirts. Yeah, of a kilt. Yeah, <laughs> um, which I get. I mean, I don't know. I just Jennifer Hudson looks kind of glamorous i would say of the three i like jennifer hudson's look the most without those damn gloves okay i love the gloves i love i think her hands in them look great too i love a little tapata um honestly as much shit as i talk about how much she screams i think she was my favorite vocalist on the song jennifer hudson yeah yeah because her screaming is like controlled because mariah was not gonna let her out sing her so it was like yeah it was reined in jennifer hudson so so she does that for like a second but not as like i don't know i liked her part in the song and i, I expected to be more like oh god I need like to turn it down it. yeah i mean there's also a um a harmonizing of mariah carey and ariana's whistles which whistles. is cute and great and again a moment i never thought i would like live to see yeah, but for the stands are. only for the stands only this the song is cute i will have you ever enjoyed listening to someone whistle sing 
Mariah Carey and Ariana Grande. Okay, that's it. All right. I don't. I don't know anybody else that whistle sings. That's fine. Yeah. I feel like whenever that happens, I'm like, I would just rather hear you like sing. If they're doing it to the right beat, I've enjoyed it. I enjoy it. The song is cute. Um, I haven't watched the whole holiday special. I know that Snoop Dogg is in it. Tiffany Haddish is in it. Who is still dating Common, by the way. Um, and then that's kind of hot. Billy Eichner is in it as well, and a few other people. I'll probably watch it after I decorate my Christmas tree, and I'm like fully in the Christmas mood because right now it feels like you should like have it's just it on while you're doing it. <gasps> Look at you knocking out two birds with one stone. Yeah, Peter. I know that we came up with new words, but that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Okay. Hang two turtle doves. Two turtle doves. Two turtle doves. <gasps> I know. Uh, I mean, I Casey Musgraves and um, Troy Sivan put out their um, glittery song from the last year's. She did it at Amazon Christmas special yeah. last year. That was cute. I watched that last I, year. It was, I liked it a lot. Honestly, it helped me start to like Christmas a little bit. I've like not liked Christmas for a very long time, yeah. and that Christmas special I was like. I kind of get it. Part of it was that it was kind of depressing. <laughs> like, there's like multiple songs, like Lana Del Rey's song, and then there's another song where she's like, "Christmas makes me sad," and yeah. then this glittery song with Troy Zavon. It's very quiet like and simple, and they just released it as a um was like it not single. Last so, year? Oh, it was on the special, but it wasn't like on Spotify or on YouTube, and oh. they kind of released it as like a music. But I also just realized they did it because two weeks later they announced that Troy Zavon's album he has that song Easy. Um, and on the night, so like after we record this, um, Casey Musgraves and Mark Ronson are doing a remix with him of that song. So I think it was like, kind of like pre promo for that. I see how that machine's working. I know. I kind of want to, I'm excited for it. I mean, I feel like I love Casey Musgraves. Anyway, TV and film, we got to keep pushing through this. You don't want to talk about Britney Spears' new song, Swimming in the Stars, which I listened to uh, once and thought, no, thank you. It's not good. I, I feel <laughs> I feel bad for her team for, like, I mean, she this this album came out in 2016. In 2018, they re-released it with one new track, Mood, Mood Ring. That is a good song, which was, like, a jip, jip. Oh, it was a song released in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw the not thought good, process and the words not being formed in your mouth. Um, no, I, re- I listened to this once. It came out on her birthday. Happy birthday, Britney Spears. Oh, we shared on Instagram, uh, and I might share it again, honestly, but Star Amarasu, um, she released this cover on Britney's birthday of three one, two, three, nine. Oh, yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. slow and like beautiful and soulful. Star uh, killed it. But happy birthday, Brittany, but also happy like, birthday. fuck that song. Okay, TV film. Selena show, can we talk about it next week? Let's I, talk about Selena next week because I, I have, have only watched one episode for real, for real. Yeah, and it, it, it didn't... <clears throat> let's just talk about it next week. I like. Selena. I don't know how to feel about it. Okay, let's, let's dig into Euphoria episode one. Unless you want to wait until we watch episode two and do just like an encapsulation. No, I, I'm fine. I... And see both sides. Up to you. Up to you. Not the listeners. One one, one (laughs) sentence about the the episode. Okay, I like this. It was different. It Mm -hmm. was not a typical Euphoria episode. This is more than a sentence. Um, And I like... I mean, Euphoria is a dark show, but I feel like this episode is heavy. It is dark. It is... I think that it's good to watch it because what the... um, I forget his name, but what the um her sponsor essentially mm-hmm. is talking about is just especially 
with 2020 going the way that it has, yeah. it's just like mind blowing. You're just like, whoa, like it, it sort of teaches you to look behind the veil on a few things. Mm-hmm. And also, um, I don't know, it's just heavy when it comes to yeah. like drugs and like yeah. who you are as a person and what you're trying to do. And that waitress like, they talk to on yourself, the side. quote unquote. But anyways, yeah. I am. Um, it's also I've, great getting a good perspective on his life because you never yes. get, you never know what's going on with him. Yes. Yeah. I really appreciated it. I think I love Euphoria for the women. So to have a whole episode where 80% of the dialogue is from this man, I'm a little bit like everything you just said and a little bit like, where are the women? <laughs> yeah. But, um, but because this is framed within, this is filmed during COVID. They wanted to, they couldn't film season two. So they've decided to film these sort of COVID episodes that are not about COVID, but they were filmed during COVID. So it's like really small cast, small story. This pretty much takes place in one room. Yeah. There's a part of me that is like, oh man, the thing I love about Euphoria is the glittery magic of it. There's none of that. And I loved that this show... And part of it, I think, is maybe in response to a lot of the critiques of season one of it, quote, like glorifying drugs, which I never felt. I think if you paid attention, that's not what it did. But this show, this one episode really lets you sit with, this is the reality of all of that other stuff. Yeah. This is the reality of what it means when you have to sit alone with these demons as opposed to experience them for a three minute segment and then we swap to someone fucking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So I really appreciated it. It was definitely not what I expected, but also like at the very beginning, getting to see them like kiss and be happy for one moment. I I just, and Jules titties. I mean, I just, I love that actress and I'm happy. Yeah. Hunter's awesome. I I can't wait for episode two. That's what I feel. Yeah. I'm excited for Jules episode. Yeah. It's, I think it's next week. It's going to come out. So we'll do a deeper dive. It's out next week. I think they're doing it like. Oh my god! I thought I was gonna have to wait months for this. That's why I was like, no, I don't want to wait. Till oh, maybe, two comes but out. I feel like I don't know. I feel like maybe it's next week. If it's next week, I'm super stoked. I literally thought I was gonna have to wait like until next year to see yeah, it. I mean, you might want to wait till next year to watch it so that you don't That's like. <laughs> um, Spencer either hadn't seen the finale or forgot it, and so we were in the middle of the episode, and I paused it and played the finale scene where she's singing and getting lifted up and everything and it really made the diner scene i would say if you before you watch the euphoria episode watch just the four minute it's on youtube you can just watch it the final clip of her kind of falling into the relapse with also emmy winner zendaya singing (laughs) um you know she sang that song Yeah. yeah 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 anyway it just it framed it helped me get in the headspace. I thought it was very moving. I really appreciated it. The flight attendant, uh, Kaylee Cuoco or whatever, like, I'm not going to watch Big Bang Theory. Fuck that. But kills it in this show. I did. I watched a few minutes of it and did not assume that I was going to like it the first couple minutes. And then the minute that dead body shows up, I was like, oh, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. I'm going to watch this. I'm in. Um, I was just doing some research over here and the Jules episode, they have not formally announced, but everybody is just... The rumor mill and sort of what Instagram and other websites and PR people are saying, they're like, HBO is going to want to grab your attention before the holidays. So they're assuming that it's coming out next week or the week like right before Christmas. Okay. But also I, I feel like HBO Max might, they might, they might like pump the brakes on it because we already have Wonder Woman coming out on like Christmas day on HBO Max. I think they're going to announce some other movie that was supposed to be in theaters, whatever. HBO Max is killing it so i'm not terribly worried 
Speaking of HBO Max, The Flight Attendant, have you watched it with Kaylee Kuoka? That's what I'm saying. I, I like watched the first couple minutes and I was like, mm, I don't know. And then I saw oh, that dead body and I was like, in. That's I'm in what, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, I um, I I watched the first three episodes. I like it. I like. I did not expect to like the show at all, Mm-mm. and I love that. Um, yeah, I'm not like a Kaylee Kuoka fan. I was like, I didn't watch Big Bang Theory. I did watch the other one with that man that died, the Belushi man. Eight simple rules to dating my teenage daughter. Oh, she was in that. She you was mean the John Ritter. Yep, that's Three's what I do company. mean. That's what it, that's what I mean. Um, but uh, I liked her in that, and so that's why I thought I was gonna like Big Bang Theory, and I was like, this sucks. Not for me. No, I'm never watching that. Um, but then Flight Attendant, it's really good. And then that woman, um, she's the dancer in the Spike Lee movie, Rosie Perez. Uh huh. She gets to kind of play the same character she played in, in Search Party. In Search Party, I was but like, like the same it is the same person. It's the same wig. It's <laughs> <laughs> definitely the same wig. But like it, um. It allows her to be like still weird, but a little bit more normal and like has a job and like these things. She's not like a wild, quote, crazy person. Well, I thought it, for some reason in my head, I was like, they could very simply like tie Search Party and Flight Attendant into the same shared universe with Rosie Perez alone. But like, I'm not the one making the show. So, because they are just so, they're so similar in the sense of like the murder mystery plot, the comedy, like, people just not having their shit together and trying to, like, figure out something. Um, It does have that sensibility, but it's a little bit more, like... It's less millennial, I'll say. Yeah. You know? Like, I feel like Search Party is very, like, they always have something to say about millennials. This is more about, like, just watching Kelly Cuoco get drunk and run around just, like, being a mess. To me, it's kind of a mix, and it's a little bit of a stretch, but it's kind of a mix between Killing Eve Mm -hmm. and I May Destroy You. Because it's about trauma. I knew you were going to say I may destroy you. Well, because it's it's about There's trauma, but it's about trauma, trauma that we haven't gotten yeah. to yet. It's like using the murder mystery and the FBI and all of that as a device for this person to explore their trauma and alcoholism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not done artistically and aesthetically completely different vibes. Yeah, but, it's very much a comedy. But yes, to what you're saying. Like, it's definitely about exploring trauma. But and you get fashion and we get cities and we get... Uh, like, we get the cosmopolitan just... Yes. Ugh. Yeah. yeah, I'm into it. I'm into it for sure. Um, Un- undoing ended and... I, I actually was, don't want to say... Like, it, it was six episodes. It should have been four, maybe three. But I was happy with what it did. Um, the acting was acting. It was acting, honey. Those last five, ten minutes was like, oh, yeah, y'all are going, y'all are getting an Emmy. I wish that <laughs> I wish that it had been four episodes and three episodes was everything that we saw, and then the fourth episode is like how they're living after that finale. Mm. Do they get to go back to school? Does she remarry? Do her and her best friend move into a house together and become like Lily Rabe? I would watch a spinoff series of Lily Rabe. I would watch Lily <laughs> Rabe do just about anything. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> um, also, um, so been... cool. Oh, oh, what? 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 No, 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 no. Go. Elliot Page. Oh yes, yeah. Elliot how, came how, out as trans. I forget that. That's yeah. so cool. That's I'm amazing. so excited for him. Yeah. I uh, using I believe he they pronouns. Um, I thing I hated was that they constantly referenced Umbrella Academy oh, yeah. as like the what? Thing, which I actually I like Umbrella I Academy. I do, but that's not their best but work. They, no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, like no mention of Juno or underrated hit, um, the fucking roller rink movie. Oh, oh yeah. What is that movie called? It's not Brink. Slam. <laughs> it is not Brink. That is a Disney Channel. <laughs> Drew Barrymore is after in that movie too. What is that Whiplash. called? Ro- no, that's- yeah, it is. It is. That's the movie with the oh. drummer, right? Or maybe they're both called the same thing. 
Well, sorry, everyone who knows the answer. Because <laughs> we, we, we don't. <laughs> Is it with It's Flash? going to bother me. Okay, we're Roller finding out right now. Uh, but movie. super cool. I, I mean, of course. Whip it. Whip it. There oh, was a God. whip in there. I knew there was a whip. It, because that's the move that they did. That was the secret ah. move. Like, uh... That movie is so good. And I think that was one of Drew Barrymore's first like production mm-hmm. movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that movie is so good. Did not get the love it needed. Uh, so now that Elliot Page is back in the news, honestly, go watch that movie. Um, I My only problem is, of course, all of these like stupid fucking problematic lesbians like mourning the loss of another woman to the, to the trans oh community. Gosh, shut up, uh, shut up <laughs> is right. Uh, because every quote, like, woman you lose, there's also plenty of other people transitioning into womanhood or Nobody like cares. claiming that human beings in this planet you'll be fine exactly uh <laughs> so happy for elliot page that was honestly such a bright news day and all this bullshit it, everyone was just stoked and thankfully i saw some retweets of discourse about the other shit that was going on in terms of the language around elliot but i mostly saw on my timelines just a celebration and it was such a nice day so happy you know what i saw on my twitter feed that i never get on Nard. beyond warwick <laughs> oh, she right. is listen I don't. I'm not a Twitter user. Yeah, she's great auntieing all over it. But she is. She is doing something magical and special over there on Twitter by just. I don't think it's her. I'm pretty sure she has a team doing this, but allegedly she says it's her. I mean, for multiple weeks that everyone said, and then she got on and has done multiple videos of like, y'all. This is. Me. I don't have a team. I'm just in my house bored. I, <laughs> and if that's bored, really is. Dion board. Warwick is funnier than I ever she imagined. Is. Yeah, she very much is. Yeah. I. Uh, very funny. I, I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm worried it's going to go the way of, like, I don't know, like, all the brands that I was pretend to stand that. Twitter or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I think it'll become... What she needs to do is log into Twitter once or twice a month. Yep. If she's on Twitter every Make day, it, it's like, going to lose scarce, it. like, rare tweets that, but, like, that hit the mark and are fucking hilarious. Yes. And Asking then... Chance the Rapper why he named himself <laughs> Chance the Rapper. <laughs> That's we know he's tweet. a rapper. It's That's a great. funny tweet. You can let that live there and not say anything yep. until like late January, and I'd be fine with it. Yep. Like you gotta, you gotta give people bits and pieces. Another old lady thing. Dolly Parton had this uh, New York Times article come out, and I am really tired of people writing about Dolly Parton as if like, isn't it so crazy that someone from Appalachia has thoughts? Like, I fucking hate that. Like, what has been like. She had she has she's an album a, out and has like everything, so she's been on a giant press but tour. But like for the last, but no, even like just recently in history, like she's yes. been around. She's yes. had a resurgence. Like she's, always, she's had she's a, had resurgence. a resurgence. I feel like the last two years of my life have been like I don't. I've never and thought I about Dolly from Parton. Tennessee. Like yeah. Dolly Parton has never been this prominent yeah. like in my life until she's hit this sort of age and people are like I don't know if they're rediscovering yeah. her or like what's going on but yep. and I mean there's I, like something... every week there's a Dolly Parton like oh she did yeah. something else I mean the <laughs> thing that I want to say that I think is cool is like when she's asked about what she's reading and what she likes to do she says that she likes to sit by her fire and read and then goes on this like conversation about reading Octavia Butler and her race analysis of like a science fiction novel and that is what's cool about this article is Dolly Parton talking about Octavia Butler like I had Never in my mind. Like, Would've that feels imagined. like a roll of the dice of, like, yeah. let's uh, put these words in a thing. Like, I think that's cool. I think I also want to say, as much as I love Dolly Parton and as much as she has done for literacy and as much as she's done for um, the vaccine, the Dolly Parton vaccine, she also employs people at Dollywood for less than $10 an hour. So, like, while we still need to have conversations about maybe she's someone, when we talk about eating the rich, will, like, only take a finger, she also is still, <laughs> like... 
you know, she is not probably a billionaire because she gives so much money away. Like, that is, like, how she holds her, quote, wealth and stuff. And she also exploits labor at Dollywood. So, like, it's this weird conversation of, like, being rich is inherently unethical. Um, And love the idea that she's, like, reading Octavia Butler by her fucking... Like, like that's not something you can coach. She actually does. does yeah, that. no, you, you know what I mean. To. Like, yeah. So there's not some millennial being like, you should say you read um Octavia. Like, I mean, if that's true, that's a universe <laughs> I don't want to live in. But I love the fact that um she's doing that. Uber Eats bought Postmates, which means we have like another reason to fucking engage. I don't even know why I started talking about this. Uh, we have another reason to just cook for ourselves. Oh my god, <laughs> that's, 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 the that's the answer. That's the answer. Cook for yourself because for we, yourself, not, bitch. we don't have choices anymore. Uh, also, we missed this last episode, but um, December first was World HIV and AIDS Day, and uh, we just—I feel silly and irresponsible that we didn't have a mention of it or a conversation about it. But like, as much progress as we have made, there's still so much mourning and education and things to do. And stigma to unwrap and kick ass, <laughs> like kick its ass rather. Um, Undetectable equals untransmittable. That's true. You equals you, bitch. Um, get tested. Have some knowledge. Uh, destigmatize this thing, because like really, no need for us to continue to encounter the effects of a Republican administration that caused an epidemic that is COVID is bad. What happened? with AIDS was multiple, 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 multiple times larger than that. And people died in like five minutes. It was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, gone. And there are still lasting marks of all of that. And to your point, there's still a lot of stigma in the world and queer community. You will get called out right now. Yeah, bitch. Like in our community. And that shit has to stop because- Stop asking people if they're clean. Yeah. Only ask them if they take, took a shower. That's the only context that that makes sense. That's, yeah. And like, yeah, take a shower. I mean, unless you like the smell of armpits. Not me. <laughs> but like, stop asking people that question. I agree 100%. It doesn't, and also like, you equals you. Like, it. there should be no stigma around it. Like, nope. it's almost like a, there should be no, the, the, nobody should even have to disclose to you if that's the case. Like, mm-hmm. there's literally no risk of anything happening. Yep. So, just calm, your, calm yourselves down a bit. <laughs> Calm down, take your meds, take a breath, drink some water. Yeah. Uh, Half y'all won't prep anyway, so like, shut up. I know, really. Uh, <laughs> uh, I wanted to insert this clip by friend Leibowitz to talking about um, the loss of uh, artistry, and I don't have time to talk about it, and it's too much to parse out because like there's some problems with it. But I'm gonna link it in the Rex and Resources doc because it's very funny. Um, up next, we're talking empowerment with our friend Nora. Nora. She just really brought such big smiles we even like got off the call and talked with her for another like 10 minutes and just like telling each other how much we loved each other what a great conversation we'll be right back love ya bye all right friends welcome back we are blessed and you know, favored, highly favored, highly favored <laughs> yes, to have Nora Alwa here with us, um, licensed professional counselor, um, practicing in Boulder, Colorado, but currently visiting us, zooming in from Denmark. Hello, welcome, <laughs> good evening. How are you doing? Our first international guest. Yes. <gasps> Yay! I'm honored. Yes. 
It's so fun to do this. This is what COVID allows us. We see opportunities. Yes. This is true. We got connected because I think that you know Lucia from a few episodes back, right? Yes. yes. Totally. And that was such, such a blessing to be able to connect with you. And we were just kind of texting about your work. And I became obsessed as soon as I found your website. I was like, need you here. Um, we had a beautiful conversation one time talking about it. And I am just so excited this is finally coming together. It's Sunday morning here for us. Where? What time is it for you? It's still Sunday, but okay. it's evening. It's 7.30. Mm. Okay. But I'm still jet lagged after a week here. So I am pretty much awake until 3 a.m. to be honest. Oh my gosh. Night owl <laughs> when in, when no, with nothing to do. <laughs> um, well, I think we're both um, sipping our teas. Um, but as we're getting started, we like to open up every episode um, with our guests asking them please share identities that are important to you that shape how you come into this world yeah lovely question ah <sighs> so yes i would say one of the first you know identities that just encompasses a lot of my identities is being an in-betweener mm. um so really what that means to me is um not belonging here nor there so um as someone who um, grew up, uh, you know, as a brown human in a white country, Denmark, um, I've always not fit in. And so this is the experience of being in betweener is really like whether it's uh, gender, sexual orientation, racial identity, and even religion for that matter. It's this experience of like not fitting here or there around the different binaries that are put onto us. So. Um, I am um, a cis woman, I'm queer, um, I'm multicultural, um, I'm mixed race. I come from Denmark and Comoros, which is a country that no one knows where it exists, but is in the Indian Ocean in northwest of Madagascar. And uh, I'm multilingual, and that's a big thing for me in terms of how I move around the world and how I think. Um, I think in many different languages at the same time. And it's really something that shapes me and how I view the world and my personality that shifts in terms of what language I might be speaking. I would also say my emotional language as a therapist is a huge one. Um, and yeah, and so these are a lot of the things I would say specifically um, relates to just um, not fitting in into mm. whatever the dominant narratives tells us that we should be. Mm. How do you, I'm already here with the questions. Um, that's a lot that seems to be going on in your brain at one time. Do you ever feel like it's too much? Is it ever, or is it just such a natural thing now? Like since you have sort of grown up this way and you know, I guess you let me know. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I, I don't, I think it's just cause I've always, you know, it's always been that way. So it doesn't feel like too much. It feels free. It feels more limiting when there's only one thing. Again, mm. that experience of when one thing is imposed, when I have to speak English, that actually feels more restricting versus when I actually am able, um, you know, it's like how I relate to queerness or racial, when there's not like that, uh, sense I actually feel more free. Um, and so, you know, right now I'm blessed to, for example, be with, uh, you know, some of my best friends from childhood who I share three languages with. And that's wonderful. Like, you know, someone sitting next to it at a coffee shop, they're like, wow, like, cause we just mix and match mm -hmm. languages and that code mixing feels actually really freeing. Wow. I love that. And I, I've seen in your work before and I've had a brief conversation with you about this, but, um, 
you know, even as I was approaching the identities question with you, that is that is the foundation of your work, right? Like that is like how you come into this idea of liberation through healing and through conversation and psychotherapy, but also specifically this idea of language. And we've talked about code switching before in this sort of American sense, this like black sense, this queer sense, you know, but I think that you share a specific thing around language around your website is trilingual, you know, like there's um, there's a way that you engage with this intermixing and you're talking mm. about, you know, I always think in three languages. And so I'm in a constant state of code switching. And um, mm -hmm. what is that word that I'm trying to find? Uh, not transcribe, translating, you know, what's going on in my head to other people to to um, to meet with other people. And I'm just wondering, like, how has that lived experience of constantly doing that translated into your therapeutic work? Mm, that's a great, yeah. Um, I would say that the, the piece that really is felt is um, I, I want to support folks uh, who often just feel that sense of isolation and aloneness around um, their experience and you know, the, the reason I do the work that I do is I just want to support my clients just feel a little less alone and just have perhaps a moment where they don't feel they have to explain themselves. Like they don't even have to put words to their experience that we might just have an eye contact or we, I might just in my, you know, nodding or sound that, that that's, that's understood. Uh, because in that there's so much, um, Oh, there's an exhale. There's a way of like, okay, I can breathe a little more. There's a little more ease. And I think it's pretty uh, unique to have that experience. So it's, it feels like for me, there's a richness. Of course, it's complicated in, you know, the different identities that I navigate, but, you know, it's like, I would never be without it. Right. Cause mm -hmm. it's like, I think about other people who don't, you know, perhaps have some of these like intersecting identities. And I'm like, sorry, but it just sounds boring. Right. <laughs> If there's something rich about it, like that's uh, something I find really special and I get to meet and be with people who have their version of their richness. That's a word. I'm sitting with that. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think something else I'm thinking about too is this richness that you're talking about feeds into a lot of your work, which is based in empowerment. You have a TEDx called Reclaiming Our Power, Making Ourselves Seen. Talk to us a little bit about um, what that is and how that is kind of a crux of what your understanding of a therapeutic relationship is. Yes, yes, totally. So really how I see it is as marginalized folks, um, we are erased. Um, our voice is erased, whether it's um, interpersonally, systemically, we, we constantly get that experience. So we cannot change, I mean, we can change, we can move towards changing system, but that takes years, it takes decades, it takes a lot of work, and of course it's work we have to do. However, so we often feel like we're hopeless, we feel like, what can I do, right? And so um, what I really focus on, which is also based on the work of Cedar Barstow around right use of power, is personal power. The sense that we all have innate power, no matter what our experiences is. And what's beautiful is that marginalized folks, we actually have more innate power than the average, very privileged human because they don't have to work so hard. So we gotta, we, we work hard. We, 
we develop courage, we develop resilience, we develop, we're like thinking resourcefully. We have all these like creative ways because we have to, because we we're set in front of a challenge. We set in front of someone being oppressive to us and then we got to figure it out. And so when we, we often take that for granted, our innate power, we don't see it, we don't recognize it. And I believe that it's important that we let ourselves see it, that we let ourselves notice um, actually how and our innate power shows up so we can continue building on it. So like, how do we increase that? And that's what my mission is as a therapist is really supporting clients, just keep increasing it. And it's very scary. It's not a simple thing um, to continuously invest in ourselves, to continuously see our, our innate power and uh, continuously empower ourselves, especially because again, the system tells us not to do that. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> that really resonates with me just because obviously this year, 2020, when it comes to racial justice and Black Lives Matter in the, well, I guess around the world, um, I think that there was a point for me where it was like, I just can't do this anymore. Like, I just can't. Like, nothing is changing. Nobody seems to give a fuck. <laughs> like, nobody cares. Um, and it feels so um, overwhelming to think about systemic change, especially when it's like, I don't know politics and I don't care about politics or like, I don't know how this system works and I don't really care how the system works. I just know it's not benefiting me. Um, really. And I think that to your point, really sort of tapping into your personal power. I, I don't know when it happened sometime this summer, maybe it was earlier this summer. I came up with this sort of catchphrase of make white people uncomfortable 2020. And <laughs> it's just kind of like, I don't know, like my, my previous job, sort of what I was doing in, in that moment and Fuck still now job. is just like, I'm going to make you uncomfortable. Like, I'm going to just be myself here and you might have something to say about it, but I don't care. Or I'm going to ask you a question about like, what did you do for black people this weekend? And if you're mm -hmm. going to have to answer that question, mm -hmm. like you can't sidestep that. Um, so I don't know. I just, it really resonates with me. And I think that for listeners out there, A, that slogan is not dead yet. Still continue making white people uncomfortable. But also, um, there's things you can do in your like, just everyday life. It doesn't have to be this overwhelming sort of, Totally. I don't know how to change this system like by yes. myself. Well, you don't have to worry about that sometimes. Like what can you do just for yourself today to maybe make a change? And what I love that you do right now is that you actually are claiming it, right? Like that's the whole part of my talk is by you actually voicing it right now and speaking about it. It's like, then again, you're like increasing your innate power just in this exact moment by stating it. Like, it's like this thing we have to do over and over again. It's to just like recognize that, say it, you know, it's like, I love it. And I love that you say too, like sometimes there's this idea of how it's supposed to look like and to me, that's an avoidance of looking mm. at our privilege identity. It's an avoidance of actually, it's minimizing our power Yeah. to say that. It's a way of shying away. Something that I really appreciate about what you both are bringing up is this, this interplay of both um, interpersonal therapy or interpersonal relationship, which is what therapy is supposed to be, right? Um, around giving and sharing space for voice, sharing space for naming some of those things, but also naming that these um, these things that we do and engage in are a piece of the puzzle. Like doing that systemic change is still a part of the puzzle. Like, because <laughs> while resilience is something that is innate to marginalized 
communities more so than others there's also though a desire to not have to have resilience right like like how do we how do we get to a space where we don't have to be this thing because mm. the thing is fixed <laughs> or the thing is like easier on folks and obviously what you're saying and what i hear and what i understand is like i can't do that alone and i feel isolated right now so i need to really claim this and i love that there's this interplay between Claiming our personal power is not in the same way of claiming power in the sense that whiteness puts to power, which is power over others, right? It's like power with others. It's like stepping into a resiliency that's connected to a history, stepping into a resiliency and a power that's connected to my neighbor. You know, like I I just love that those things are connected as opposed to speaking to one or the other. I feel like I hear therapists all the time talk about one or the other and I hate it. So I really appreciate your work in that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Makes total sense. Yeah. And this resiliency piece, I mean, obviously being Black and being queer. Um, and I mean, and then just other things too, like with my history and past socioeconomic status, like health stuff, like the resiliency piece for me has always been... Um, my therapists have said it in the past. Like, I've had two therapists say this to me. Like, you know, resiliency is, like, your superpower. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. But also, it'd be great if I didn't have to be resilient. <laughs> like, and sometimes it's being resilient in and of itself means that you're being faced with challenges constantly and, like, bouncing back or stepping up to them or pushing through and still sort of being excellent or great or maybe not even that, just, like, getting shit done still. Um, so I guess I wonder what your take is and what you maybe tell your, your clients or patients when they've sort of hit a wall or hit a place where it's like, I just can't do this shit anymore. Like, I am tired of being resilient. I'm tired of having to be the one constantly pushing through. Yeah, totally. Um, well, I think it also just depends on how we view resilience. I think it's, if resilience always, if it feels like, yeah, it's always means work yeah of course that sounds like that will always be exhausting but to me it's like you know just I'm I'm so appreciative right now of so many ways that I'm seeing that rest like for us as BIPOC folks that we get to claim rest and to me it's like claiming rest is also resilience right mm. claiming um space uh for ourselves is also resilience um because it that's part of it it's like how do we how do we show up, how we stand up, we also need, um, we need to rest. I think that's kind of the, you know, the piece that gets um, really sad is when we don't let ourselves have that and we don't let ourselves um, have a moment of just, you know, even for me, it's like breaking down, like that's also resilience. I don't know, like mm. uh, completely being in tears and a mess and feeling hope like that's I don't know it's like it mm. feels like that's still part of the process it's still places that we um need to go so yeah I guess if, when a client comes and is just exhausted tired mad angry just that's what's here and yeah. that's what being welcomed that's I like that I feel like maybe I'm equating resiliency and um like excellence is too it's like the same and they're not necessarily the same so like you can take a break from needing to be my favorite theme of this podcast like being perfect and like having to sort of get everything right it's like you're still proving you're resilient if you take a break from that and like really mm -hmm. take care of yourself 
it, it reminds me of something I heard AOC say before the election, where she, I think she was talking about people telling her like, oh, you're so courageous, you're so courageous. And then she's like, yeah, it's like, I don't remember I, how exactly she put it, but just basically like, no, in the moment, I'm terrified, I'm scared, mm -hmm. I don't want to shit in my pants. Like, but, but uh, bravery and courage is something we look at after the fact. And that's a little mm -hmm. bit like how I feel about resilience. It's kind of like this uh. thing you look at after. It's like, we can be like, oh, you're resilient. And it's like, yeah, but in the moment, it's not because I'm like, yeah, I am resilient. I am doing and going <laughs> yeah. against all these racist, sexist, whatever um, systems, right? In the moment, it's just like, huh, right? Yeah. But like the after, when we have a moment of breath and like, that's when maybe there's a, that sense of reflection. Hmm. Something that that's making me think about is the, a phrase you used earlier that it's scary to invest in ourselves. And I'm wondering, like, uh, we is. can't see that look, but it, it seems like a knowing look and a, a rolling eye look, an exhausted yeah. look with that. And I guess I'm just wondering, because I feel that too. And I'm wondering if you can oh. talk to how yes. do you, how do you coach that, that scary work that's done? And what does that scary work work? Oops. Work look like. I've got too excited. Scary, scary, <laughs> scary work. What's the scary work? <laughs> yeah, so I'm actually um, going to launch a course um, in, uh, in 2021 specifically around worthiness and how we claim our worth as marginalized folks. And in, um, I, I go through this cycle of worthiness. And in one of those steps, it's exactly about how do we invest in ourselves? And, um, you know, what I, I like to think about is investing in ourselves can look so, can look like really small and really big. It could be like, yeah, I'm going to invest and purchase uh, this course, or I'm going to uh, buy, I mean, if you have the financial means to a home or like something like that, but it could also be something which is what I believe is like so important to see is like, I'm going to invest in myself by believing that yes i do deserve um to um maybe get a massage or have this apple or like what is, what are the little ways that we um we, we we tell ourselves like i'm not worthy of this i shouldn't have this and um and 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 it always has to be something like a little scary there, there has to be a little bit if not it wouldn't be an investment right hmm. and it's um and it's, 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 it's so personal to let ourselves identify in that. But when we take that risk, we basically say, oh, I'm worthy. I'm worthy. Every time we take the risk of saying like, oh, I'm going to try out um, learning how to play the guitar, even though I don't know at all how to do that and I'm scared, or I'm going to try out to speak in front of other people and whatever it, the, again, the risk is, it doesn't, it could also be something so like it could seem so small but it, it's it's so important but it's kind of like we have to make uh investments every day like constant little investments in ourselves um so because we, we need that in order to just fuel our sense of self-worth and believing in ourselves and so it's a constant uh practice of um investing in ourselves and you know for my clients um i would say like ways you know for me is like a big one, you know, talking about rest is like taking the risk to asking for time off or mm. actually, I mean, I can't say, I mean, I come from the country where we have five weeks vacation. So 
it's you know it's pretty Bragging. much like <laughs> yeah. me. Although I will say, like living almost eight years in the U.S., it's much harder for me to take time off um, than it was before. But definitely one of the things I am, you know, working predominantly only with people of color who are queer, trans, multicultural, et cetera, et cetera. Um, people don't take time off. Like even people <laughs> who literally have, they'll tell me like, yeah, no, I have three weeks paid off. And I was like, okay, all right, when are you going to start taking them? Like people just don't do that. Like even, or even a day, like most of the time what I hear is people like, yeah, I took time off. And it's like, I added a Friday. I'm like, oh, wow, three days. Great. Like, how are you going <laughs> to three days? It's like, you got to go longer than that. But that is an investment to say like, I am worthy of like, whatever lying around the floor and watching netflix or going for a walk or looking at my thumb like that that's investment to to actually um to let ourselves take time and it's huge so it's like maybe it'll just start with one day and then you might up on days um or maybe it, it just looks like setting a boundary yeah hmm. something that you also talk about and i imagine is really part of this scary work is the fact that um, outside of resilience is also, or maybe tied to, is how trauma impacts us. And, and trauma being this understanding of like a sort of unprocessed thing or series of things that now lives in our bodies in maladaptive ways. And I'm just wondering, um, how does working through trauma aid to that sustainability how does um and how do how do we do that with folks and with each other how do we work with trauma with each other yeah mm. yeah i mean there's so many different types of trauma i mean the specifically the one i'm talking about you know is is really like intergenerational trauma as we as it relates to i mean because we could talk about developmental trauma and or like an event or like, i mean there's so many uh different um, types and can be all interconnected. But just to speak specifically as marginalized folks, what when we in our DNA um, have had to live through, obviously like enslavement, genocide, all of those things that just get carried on and that are within ourselves. And I think, you know, a, a main thing is to is to remind ourselves of how big it is, like that word intergenerational, right? That it's sometimes I think what we tend to do is we blame ourselves, right? We, we feel like we should have, we should heal, we should be over this, or I have been in therapy for five years and by now I should have blah, blah. I mean, the, any time a, a should comes up, you know, that's really like- A red flag, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think if we're talking about community support, it's, it's really to remind ourselves like, okay, like this is bigger than you. It's like, this is much greater. And that's also where I think it's, you know, where we can pull from our ancestors. I mean, that's where I feel when I feel like, oh my God, like if I feel into all the pain, the suffering, you know, of my personal trauma and the intergenerational trauma, there can also be that again, flip side of the resilience of feeling into my ancestors and all of they have been through. I mean, like, you know, it's like, we're looking through what we're going through in 2020, which is like horrific. And then we can like go back time and think about our great, great grandparents. Like, what did you do? And then it's like, okay, like there's a humility and it's not to minimize anything of what, you know, various of us are experiencing differently. Um, but just um, the sense of like reminding us that we, we do move through things and we do, um, and it's okay to be stuck and it's okay to struggle um, and, and making space for that. Because I think when there's this, um, there's this 
push uh, around having to resolve it, it's that can get a little too pressuring. Yeah. And I mean, I think <clears throat> with the ancestors piece, because uh, Beyonce released an album this year <laughs> called uh, The Gift. And I, a lot of it was about like leaning on your ancestors for things. Right. It was really um, it it helped me through some stuff. Uh, but anyways, I just I think I think about that and what you're saying. And it's also, again, kind of kind of going back to that resiliency piece, going back to the sort of perfectionism piece. It's like those ancestors were living through some shit and like nothing was together. Like, I don't know. It's. They, it's easy to look at things in the past and think, oh, that was done so easily or that was, that was resolved easily. (laughs) Or I look at somebody like Martin Luther King Jr. who is like from my alma mater, uh, Morehouse College. And it's like, society looks at him as this person. I'm like, yeah, that man had some shit going on though. Like a lot of stuff going on. Um, Yeah. Like that nobody pays attention to or talks about, but it's like he was going through his own stuff while also advancing the people. And I think it's just important to realize those things sometimes when we are working on ourselves. It's like, it's going to get messy. It's going to, it's not this neat little package that happens. You don't go to therapy and then two weeks later, step out a brand new person. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's the same as being a therapist. I have, there's this myth. I'm like, I got it all together. And I, I'm like a mess. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? Like, you know, and it's like, just to normalize that. I mean, I think, you know, I don't know how many times I'll hear that about myself or others. Like, well, but you would think that this person, since this person's a therapist, then they would blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, just we're humans. Yeah. Right. And just to normalize, I love that example of MLK, just like the sense of, oh, yeah. Of course, um, we all have our, you know, the, the people that we we adore, that we uh, even put on a pedestal also, you know, have their struggle and most likely have their mental health issues or struggle with trauma. Um, and that's also why we adore them. Like, right. It's like there's always the both. There's always mm-hmm. the both of like, OK, yeah, maybe they're neurotic or difficult self. But that's also what brings the strength and the wisdom um, but we, you know, as humans, of course, we all cling to the idea of some like idealized utopia, something, something. So we're like, okay, it will get, and it's hard for us to be with the like, yeah, and it just keeps being messy. I know. Yeah. And, it, and I mean, and then to the point of all of this, it all comes from the true change happens with self-empowerment and self-investment, right? It's that whole idea of putting somebody else on a pedestal is fine in the sense of like, maybe you want to be like them or make the same sort of impact as them, but putting them on a pedestal to like adore them is like, no, 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 no. Like adore yourself, like invest in yourself and like show yourself that sort of love before you give it to some celebrity that you don't actually know. Totally, totally. And it's also a reminder of something that is within ourselves. I mean, that's really, you know, Mm. like the extreme of like projections. It's like projection always like negative, positive, obviously are always a reminder of like something we have within ourselves. Mm -hmm. So especially with the people that we're like, this person is so brilliant or so brave or so this it's within us. So that's the good news. What are some of the ways that self-empowerment work has been scary for you? (sighs) What Beautiful question. Um, well, I would say anytime I take a risk, I think, you know, the, the major risk for me was to move to the U.S. Mm. You know, I believe I come from a country where it's free education. For most people, that's pretty arrogant. 
to go and study. I studied at Naropa University uh, in Boulder, Colorado. And for me, that was a school that had alternative uh, learning. I mean, we sit in a circle, we talk about our feelings, we process. I was like, wow, that does not exist in Europe. And that's why, you know, that's what also what I love about the U.S. The U.S. has all extremes. <laughs> it's like good and bad. This is how someone like Trump can be elected. Yeah. But there's like, there's that's how it goes. There's no middle ground and, here. Just yeah. polar opposites. Totally. Um, but there's also greatness to that. And yeah, so for me, the moment that I discovered, for example, like, yeah, I want to be a psychotherapist and I want to go to the school was a major thing, you know, of course, um, I come from one of the richest countries in the world. There's ways that my money, when I work hard, can be used um, in a way that supports me. And to say, I deserve to go to another school because I don't believe that psychology programs in Denmark are helpful for me. That's like, people could be see that as arrogant, um, but you could also see it like, oh, I believe in myself. Like, I'm going to trust this uh, piece that there's something I'm crying as I'm watching this and I'm going to listen to myself. Like, that's a huge investment. And it took me two years. I mean, the, the whole way to go there, to move to the U.S., especially, you know, as someone with a Muslim background, as a queer person, et cetera. I mean, so many challenges. I mean, continues. I'm still an immigrant. Um, and to continuously do that is scary. But I think what helps me is like the belief. I'm like, I gotta believe like, okay, Nora, you something in my body, in my body is telling me, yeah, like this is the kind of therapist I wanna be, right? Or the moment that I was like, I am not going to work with, um, I'm only gonna work with marginalized folks. I'm only gonna work with people of color. Like that's like, ooh, can't do that, right? But then I'll have a client, you know, I'm like saying, so I had one time a client contact me and they were like, oh, I, maybe you could work with my husband. And I was like, oh yeah, I only work with people of color unless you're, is your husband white? And then the person was like, yeah. And then she was like elevated, right? Because she was, she's a woman of color. And she was like, great. Like you are actually saying no to white people. Mm. And that was like a relief for her. Right. And so it's still scary. It's not like I'm like, oh, easy peasy, but it's the more clear I get, the more also, um, I feel empowered, things are flowing. When I don't listen to myself, when I don't, then things, you know, something else happens. Mm. Something that I really believe and I, from what I can gather from your work, I feel like you do as well, which is that th these um, access points to empowerment or to mental health healing are sort of gate kept, right? And I, I see in a lot of your work, you're like, Here's some blogs and videos and offerings that are free. Just click them and, you know, do with them what you will, you know? And I feel like this podcast is another example of us, like, trying to normalize these conversations, especially for folks who don't have access to an individual therapist, saying those things. Um, while I understand the concept of self-empowerment is important, how do we as individual people not as therapists just like people in each other's lives foster self-empowerment in each other mm. i think it's by like reflecting what we're seeing um like the ways that we are empowering ourselves you know like sometimes it i mean you know it doesn't take a therapist to see the the strength or wisdom of the other i mean you know just in our conversation now like uh, just even reflecting our strengths here, right? Like saying to each other, like, oh yeah, hey, Shani, I just love when you 
said that or the way that you 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 were so brave as you shared this story right just when we make these little reflections it, it holds so much um power and and sometimes yeah again like i said i think we can lose sight of it we can um not see it but i think you know with each other we we all the time get to just um really acknowledge that i mean i remember this is a maybe a silly example but one of my best friends she came to visit me in boulder and then um, she was preparing food, uh, for me and my friends. And then, um, like she put like so much chili in the, in the, the pasta dish or whatever. And it was like so hot and whatever. And then like, she was just laughing and then, you know, she figured it out and all she put sugar, she like did something. And I just remember being, yeah, <laughs> and I just remember being in awe because of the way she dealt with the situation because she was just like mm -hmm. laughing and she was just like, hey, and then it was like, oh, it's a little spicy, whatever. <laughs> and then I told her, I was like, what a beautiful self-kindness towards yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think I don't know that in that moment she was seeing it as self-kindness. But to me, I was like, wow, like that's so beautiful the way that you're just dealing with this also because she didn't know my all my friends. And she was just like, yeah. And, and so I don't know, that was a moment where I saw obviously something in her. And then, you know, I think there's there's value um, in reflecting that. That's amazing. So, yes. No, so many people don't see the awesome work that they're doing or how strong they are or <clears throat> what talent they have. And I mean, it, it sounds a bit it sounds silly sometimes, but it's like, yeah, give people compliments or like. Tell people that like when they're doing something great, like it doesn't, it literally does nothing to you to like give somebody yeah. that, like at all. I, it boggles me sometimes when people can't bring themselves to do that. And it's just like, why? And what is the goal of self-empowerment if you're leaving everyone behind? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. What, what, what fun is that? Like, yeah. I don't know why I felt emotional in that conversation, but I just think it's, I think it's so important for us to like look at people we love and not in a. Uh, embarrassing way or not in a, a showy way or even this false way but like when we see them do something great I know I don't always notice when I'm doing something great I, and sometimes it takes <laughs> someone else being like I noticed that that was cool and that can just be like that split second that mm -hmm. we can foster and and build within each other because like the stronger we all are the stronger we can be when we're alone and we're always alone at some point totally love it mm. love it <sighs> How can people find your work? <laughs> um, you can go on my website, noraalwa.com. So it's N-O-R-A-A-L-W-A-H.com. Um, I have a weekly newsletter, um, which is just my website slash newsletter that you can subscribe to. Um, and I also post on uh, Instagram um, at... Um, that's also just Nora Alwa, my name. And um, then you can find my TEDx, um, which was shared before, which basically if you uh, search my name um, and reclaiming our power, making ourselves seen. So that's some of the things. And then I will be, like I said, launching in the spring um, a course specifically around worthiness. If you subscribe to my newsletter, you'll know more about that as well. Beautiful. And we'll be sure to link all of those things in our recommendations and resources doc. Thank you so much for being here. You guys want to take a quick break and then take some meds? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, all right, all right. We're almost ready to come back again. All right, we're back to wrap this thing up. We're going to take some meds. Mm-hmm. Mm I got my water. Them good old meds. Yeah. You ready? 
<laughs> Maddie just took a sip of water. I know. I just needed a, <laughs> a preparatory, my, my, my throat primer. That's what I'm calling that. <laughs> you offered me tea earlier and one of them was called throat coat. Okay, listen, that shit is great. Listen, if you have a sore throat and you drink throat coat in the evening, I you're just, just like, I know I'm going to wake up powerful tomorrow. I think I just, something about the word throat always, I, my mind goes to a place and you guys know sure. where. Anyways, we're going to take some meds now. Matt, Maddie, do you want to go first? Yeah. I also <laughs> want to preface this that like, I'm about to say something that makes me feel good. And also the content of it is like a little bit, I don't know, heavy. But I, being in grad school, all of my reading energy as and as an ADHD person, that's already hard, but all of my reading energy is spent in PDFs. It's spent in like, you know, a, a paper research or whatever, you know, I, I don't get to read for pleasure anymore is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And I and I had that kind of stolen from me in my first round of college when I used to kind of be a big reader, even if it was difficult for me. But I finished uh, Roxane Gay's Hunger actually this morning and um Mm -hmm. while it is for a class that i have to write i also kind of chose it because i'd been wanting to read it for years and constantly set it aside and let me tell you that book is something to get through i feel like especially if you relate to anything written there it is like i would have to sometimes only get through 20 pages even though i had the capacity to read more i would be like i need to sleep on this (laughs) you know I, i need to let this be but um I know I'm three years late to this Roxane Gay hunger conversation, but uh, this story of assault and resilience and hunger and body and all of these things that I think I often have absorbed in this really theoretical way or in this really classroom-oriented way, to have it laid out um, also by someone that I think I know through Twitter, which I don't. (laughs) Like, you know, I I feel like I uh, know this person and... um, yeah, I, I feel I feel proud that I finished a book, <laughs> which I know is like a little silly to feel proud of, but I, I do. And also I feel grateful that I had some learning within it. So it was like simultaneously this pleasure-oriented thing that also was heartful to me. So that's my meds this week. Mm. I haven't read a book since like February, so congrats. I mean... Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I know, I know. I only listen to Audible. I'm going to start doing that way more. I I like, I I love ideas. I love books. I love stories. And because I don't have the patience to sit down and read them, I'm like, oh, I don't have access to them. Audible's right there. I'm, yes. Insight. That's it. (laughs) Um, Nora. Yeah. (laughs) Us both at the same time. Nora. Little little 20s. Totally. And I must say, you know, so I'm in Denmark and... We buy, you know, this summer I was also here taking like one of my friends, I ran into him and he was like, oh, you're here, Nora. And he was like, oh, yeah, you're on like COVID vacation, like mm. you're a COVID tourist. And I was like, yeah, this is like the privilege mm-hmm. of living in a country that's like a little less um, intense. Evil. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> terrible, evil, pick, pick a word. <laughs> Dysfunctional, falling apart. No, no, no. I don't know. <laughs> Cannibalizing but, itself. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, like, now, I mean, I live in a small town, Boulder, and so, like, when I have to bike, it's maybe, like, five, ten minutes, and now it's, like, longer distances of 30 minutes, but I get to listen to Audible or other things, Mm. podcasts, and I'm loving that. Um, And I think definitely on the topic of earlier, just in terms of my brain resting is, uh, you know, of the three humans, I get to just code switch, code mix, you know, two of them are here in Copenhagen, and 
I saw one today and saw one yesterday. And it's just, it's such a pleasure for me to let myself, um, yeah, mix between languages, not think. Uh, that is like such pure medicine for me. Um, and I feel so grateful. And I also think it's like, this part of Nora just comes forward and I'm like, Oh, she's been gone. Like, I just, I'm like, Oh, like I, I, like as if she, she, she doesn't get to come out. And so like, then she comes out. And so there's gratitude in that, in the different ways that I express. And then I'm also grateful right now because I'm not speaking English. <laughs> and so now this Nora gets to come back too. So um, today feels like a, a full um, Nora version fullness. <laughs> I love that. It's also interesting how when you go to a place like, yes, a different version of you comes out doesn't make it any less you. But like, I don't know, I've always found that interesting, whether that's languages or code switching. I know that when I go back to Tennessee, I'm like, oh, I suddenly have a southern accent again Mm -hmm. and it is not there normally. And people give you access to memories that you don't hold often because you're not speaking those things. You're not sharing that time. That's beautiful. I I love that. Um, For my meds, I have two things to say. Um, one is, I don't know, have you ever listened to the artist Kalayla? Have I talked mm-hmm. about her on this podcast? Well, anyways, I'm obsessed with her. Um, she's been not around for, I, I feel like two or three years now, but. Might I, as well be dead. Much, <laughs> not relevant anymore. Um, but yeah, I've been listening to her, a couple of her albums recently because, I don't know, I feel like she really nails my emotions sometimes. So, um, I just want to shout out. Her first album, Cut For cut for Me, Deluxe, she has two songs there, Something Else, and then... Oh, no, she has three songs there. Floor Show, Something Else, and then Send Me Out, uh, Girl Unit Remix, which is towards the end of the album. And all three of those songs are just, like, almost like an encapsulation of, like, how I've been feeling the last couple of weeks. So to hear it sort of... To revisit it... Um, now I haven't listened to that album probably in like years because I think it came out when I lived in New York back in like 2015 or 14. So it's been a few years since I listened to it. And I was just like, whoa, it's just the power of music sometimes and how you can revisit a song and how it can so perfectly nail like how you're feeling to a point where it's almost cathartic. I've cried mm-hmm. to these songs and it's just like because somebody's saying the words that I'm thinking and it's like truly connecting with somebody that I've never actually met a day in my life. Um, and then she has another song on her, I think, third, nope, second album called um, All The Way. And her second album is called Hallucinogen, which is also a really cool album. Um, so, yeah, Floor Show, Something Else, Send Me Out Girl Remix, uh, unit, Girl Unit Remix, and then All The Way. Great songs. I highly recommend them. The beats are great. The lyrics are awesome. Um, and then my second med is I got a Christmas tree yesterday. <laughs> um, I did not decorate it, but it's sitting in my a big duck. Is it a duck fur? No, I have a big noble fur sitting in my living room. It's probably too big for my space, but I always get a tree that's just obnoxiously big and just have it sit there because Christmas is my favorite holiday. And I haven't really been in the Christmas spirit this year because 2020 is trash. But um, I'm hoping once I decorate the tree, I'll suddenly be like, oh, it's Christmas time. Because recently, mm-hmm. I don't know, we've all just been indoors. So I'm like, I haven't been running into anything Christmas. So it's hard mm-hmm. for me to sort of believe it's Christmas. But now I feel like it's going to come because I have a Christmas tree. And those are my meds. I love that. Taking the holiday in your own hands. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want to be noble Scrooge. hands. what are meds girl oh my god um homework time oh yeah 
Sorry. We're, we're not doubling up on this. This is vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie's drinking vodka at 11.20 in the morning on a Sunday. I love Sunday. <laughs> so, homework this week. Uh, I didn't plan it beforehand because I wanted to talk to Nora first. But I think that after this conversation, we should all take a moment to journal this week and really think about what does self-investment and self-empowerment look like for you specifically. Um, and then just reflect on how, what's the first step there? Like, how can you incorporate that a bit in your life? We obviously don't know you listeners. We don't know what what each one of your goals is and the sort of impact you want to make in the world. Only you know that, um, which means only you can really answer this question. But what does self-investment and self-empowerment look like for you? And what would be the first step in doing that if you're not already doing it? And if you are already doing it, um, how can you take it to the next level? Because we can always take it to the next level in everything that we're doing. Love it up. 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 Yeah. Love it. Nora. We need dance. I know. I'm worried that if we start a dance party, the like slight Zoom delay will like have us like, I'm already off beat. And then like, you know, it's just like not going to be good for anybody. Uh, Nora, thank you so much for being here. Like a mixture of both like deep knowledge and laughter. I a great way to start my day. I hope an okay way to end your day. Oh, it's uh, lovely. I'm so joyful. Um, So happy. Oh, thank you. I am excited to see and hear more about your work. If you uh, are wanting to follow Nora, what's the Instagram at again? Nora Alua with an H at the end. No H for my first name. No. N-O-R-A-L-W-A-H. And do not yeah. accidentally do what I did and start typing in Norwal. Yeah, it's not. Because those letters are in her name and it'll, if your brain, I had a long day and I was trying to go to your website, Nora, and I typed in Norwal and I was like, that is not her name. I'm Norwal.com. sorry. Norwal.com. We learned some different things yeah. about that. That's a first. Great. <laughs> Come on, anagrams. Okay. <sighs> You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at QBTPod. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, review, like, comment, all of those things. You've heard the drill. <sighs> what a beautiful mm-hmm. end to our episode. Thank you all so much. I have to go write a paper. Good luck with that. I have to <laughs> go back to sleep. It is early. I'm envious. <laughs> Come on, 10 pages. We got this. Bye, Nora. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Trying to talk slick, all up in my ear and shit.